Knowles, welcome to Front Row Knowles. As always, a big shout out to Seminole Boosters, longtime supporter of this program. Thank you to those of you who are Seminole Boosters and supporting Florida State Athletics. We are excited for the new year. Annual fund, Bowden Society, Coaches Club, all almost to goal. So if you haven't stepped up already, I invite you to do so. And again, thanks to, to Seminole Boosters for supporting Front Row Knowles. With that said, and without further ado, here's this week's show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. It's the best hour of the week. Front Row Knowles is here. Tom Block, Keith Jones. How are you, KJ? I'm, I'm rested, Tommy. I'm rested. How about you? I, I enjoyed the bye week. I did as well. I uh, pretty much sat on my couch. Well, that's not true. I went and watched Nolan play a soccer tournament. Then I came back and sat on my couch and watched the the Duke game, watched the LSU debacle. And that was a defensive debacle, by the way. I don't know if you watched that, KJ, but that, that was a I mess. I watched bits and pieces of it. And and when I turned it off, Duke you know, got back into the ballgame. And I think at one point was actually leading the game or close to leading the game. So I made the conscious, conscious decision not to go back to it because I didn't want to jinx them. I wanted Duke to win. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Well, an insult to, or injury to insult, really, when they lose their quarterback at the end. Right. We'll see. As somebody who's had significant ankle injuries in his lifetime, the fact that that was not as significant as expected, to me, just read that the x-ray was clean and it wasn't a break. But it says nothing about the ligament and how stretched it got and how long it's going to take to – for them to, to feel good again, especially for a guy and, who makes and, his living And the running. swelling and the, the ability to go through rehab and respond appropriately to rehab and all the other things that go into our ankles, no question. Again, wasn't it, was it just this year's Super Bowl when Pat Mahomes had a high ankle sprain and we weren't sure what he was going to do? And, of course, at that level, not that it'd be different at college, you can get 24-7 rehab and sleep in – you know, a sleep chamber and everything, and who knows what they're doing. So we'll see. Well, and I, and I anyway. don't know that the, I don't know that they do it anymore, but I do know there was a time forty something years ago when you had a high a high ankle sprain. They had this little needle with this little medicine they could put into it. Not not that I have personal knowledge of it, Pittsburgh twice, but not that I have personal knowledge of it. But that can make it feel better really, really fast. Thought you played so long ago, Keith, that if you got a high ankle sprain, they just cut it off right at the shin. So I'm happy they, to they hear would, that they, they would use the uh, they would use the uh, the the Civil War uh, physician's kit. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Uh, and and go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Where did you play, Tom? Okay, good. We're past that. Let's turn the page. What do you think? Uh, uh, so the the question now on the table that everybody's wondering, and I will say, watching all the games across the the country this past week, and I watched a good amount of them. Nobody stuck out. I mean, everybody's got warts. Georgia trying to lose to a bad Auburn team. USC looked like it was me and you and nine other guys trying to play defense against against Colorado. And I mean, I know they have some players and their quarterbacks good, but I mean, USC is a mess. There's not anybody that really is is jumping out as invincible. I guess is the what one I'm team Maybe feel that bothers about me. FSU. The one team that bothers me that I think has played at least consistently, maybe not consistently great, but consistently, is that daggum Michigan squad. Um, and, and everybody loves Michigan. And so they're getting, they're, they're being consistent enough to get everybody's love uh, here in the, in the first half of the season. 
Uh, I do not know how good they are. Well, the good thing there is that we will find out. This is why I'm not overly concerned about the polls and FSU dropping or whatever. The reality is if FSU plays poorly enough over these next several weeks where they win, but, well, they're probably not good enough to win in a playoff anyway. And if they go in and take care of business and start to look like a team that should be in a playoff, well, they probably will be at the end of the year. Right. It's an oversim right. oversimplification, but. Well, this this next, you know, three this three-game homestand, uh, is is very important for a couple reasons. First of all, it's important for this team and their continued development. But secondly, it is an opportunity for Florida State to continue to put out a message to the rest of the country. Because you're right, you don't worry about polls necessarily in, you know, here in early October. But you can't slip too far and let somebody ahead of you get hot and you not be able to claw your way back into it. Because regardless of what they say, with four teams, it's still a beauty contest. Who looked good recently? And, and you got to just be aware of that. That's the way it works. And Florida State potentially doesn't have marquee games left. Because if Duke's here without its quarterback, you're not going to get any credit if you win that game. Miami being unbeaten would be a significant one if you if they came in unbeaten and you and you beat them. But Miami's got so they're going to play Clemson before they play Florida State. I'm not sure Miami's going to be unbeaten when they get here. Right. Florida laid an egg against Kentucky, and you know we've lived for a long time, Keith. When the team that never lost to Kentucky now loses to Kentucky on an annual basis, that's how long you and I have been alive at this point. Agreed, and then somehow messes up and beats Tennessee early enough to get all of that fan base excited, and now they're all disappointed again. And that is college football in a nutshell. All right, Kurt Weiler from the Osceola joins us next. We're just getting started. We'll uh, dig into the meat, uh, not just the potatoes here, of FSU football right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones, and we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to this week's Osceola Insider, Kurt Weiler, who joins us uh, every couple of weeks or so. Kurt, most pressing, what did you do with all the downtime that comes with the long bye week we had this season? I mean, I don't know what it says about me if the answer to that is watch a lot of college football on Saturday. I mean, I watched some NFL on Sunday too, but I mean, I enjoyed a – uninterrupted day this is a very saturday heavy schedule we don't kind of have those a ton of the games on other days of the week so uh i, I enjoyed a day watching college football i don't know what that says about me so you well, you that, know and you've watched the other teams that are consistently moving ahead of florida state in the polls and you agree that they are much better no comment <laughs> well played yeah i mean let me start there i'm not really worried about the polls to me this is that'll sort itself that out It'll sort itself out. So I'm not overly concerned about that. I, I did think, uh, and, and I don't I don't gamble, so it's not like I cashed this in, but I had watched the LSU-Arkansas game last week, and, and guys were running free by 15 yards for Arkansas. Now, LSU won that one, but I was like, these guys are wide open, and it's Arkansas. So part of me felt like what happened on Saturday was about to happen from Ole Miss, so I can't say I'm overly surprised. But do you look at that now and say, man, FSU's offense not nearly as good as I thought? Or do you say, but FSU's defense may be much better than I thought because they're the only defense that's holding Jaden Daniels down? 
that that is the thing. I mean, I think I saw a little bit of a oh well, that LSU defense is not very good, so maybe we shouldn't be that impressed. But I saw some of that from the Florida State fan base or from some other people kind of trying to discredit the win. You can't play that with also then playing. I think LSU in non like in all the other games is averaging forty nine points a game, and Florida State held them to really seventeen before they were putting true freshmen out in the field with that game in hand. So. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's funny how that kind of goes against what we've thought about both those units uh, so so far this season, where uh, I think, it, yeah, you, you kind of have to uh, take both of those. But I think it does say more about the defense, because I think we think the offense is is, is good. I think the offense, we think ha- we haven't seen kind of the best version of it yet. There have been some reasons for that. So, yeah, it's hard not to uh, maybe retroactively even give a little credit to the, to the Florida State defense for what they did in that game. So the squad got a little time off. They had a weekend off. Maybe they watched some football. Haven't heard very many talk about it. But now you get refocused uh, for a game. As we were talking before we came up on the air, you know, it's a it's a catch-22. It's a, it's a game that you should win. It's a game that you are heavily favored on. It's at home. But yet you got to make some improvements. And, and balancing that and, and keeping attention and focus, uh, I'm interested to see how they come out. It's it's kind of an interesting game within the game. For sure, yeah. I I, I it's the tough spot. I mean, the spot of being in the Florida State in your spot really was out the next two weeks. There's not a lot to gain from a standpoint of if you win comfortably, it's probably what you're supposed to do against a. Virginia Tech and Syracuse, and if it's a game, then I think the some doubts creep in even a little more after the uh, the Boston College game. So it's uh, it, it's hard not to be impressed. I mean, you, I, I think Pitt, it would seem, might be bad, bad, judged on how that game against uh, Virginia Tech went on Saturday. Virginia Tech putting up, I think, 38 points was the most they've scored in any game under Brent Pry and in, in coming up on a season and a half now, which probably doesn't speak well of Pitt. But it's it, the case could be made. Virginia Tech might have figured some things out uh, going into this weekend. This may be the home team radio homer in me or the optimist. I feel like we might be about to see something similar to the run they went on toward the end of last season. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but but Virginia Tech, I don't know what we can take from them beating Pitt. Syracuse's quarterback is good. Last year he was coming home from injury, but they lost Gadsden and, and other receivers. Duke. I don't care what they say about his his ankle. I can't see how he's going to play. And if he does, he's been a better runner than passer. And then you get Wake Forest, which normally when Florida State has struggled against Wake, it's been in week three when they're fresh by week eight or nine. And then you get hit. So, again, Radio Homer, you got to play the games. But it feels like we might be set for a really good five-week stretch right now from this team. Agree? Disagree? I think it's quite possible that's how they play out. You're right. I mean, I think Duke is the one in there that you look at. I mean, weird things can happen, obviously, but Pitt doesn't look like the trap it could be. This looks like a good year to snap your 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 streak at at Wake. I agree with you where, I mean, if it's a high ankle sprain, or I think it was a high ankle sprain, they said for Leonard, and they were like, it's not season ending, but that doesn't mean he's going to be fully mobile in three weeks' time. I mean, they got to buy, but he's not. They, even if he's able to play, which I would say even that, I'm somewhat skeptical of, uh, yeah, he's not going to, it's going to take away one of his major assets. And that's really the tough one in the stretch. Cause I, I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, I know some people have, have made something of Virginia tech, I think held Pitt to like 38 rushing yards and Oh, Florida state hasn't run the ball very well. Maybe that's a bad combo. Well, I think uh, VT was able to hold Pitt to 38 rushing yards because 
VT did not have any fear of Phil Jerkovic and kind of taking advantage of them deep. They were able to stack the box. They can't do that nearly as much against Jordan Travis. I mean, if you overly stack the box, and I think even Phil Jerkovic hit a couple deep balls against him. I think he threw like a 75-yard touchdown and maybe a 60-yard touchdown. So I think it is quite possibly true. I, I I would not be surprised at all if we 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 see a nine and zero Florida State where they didn't really have to sweat out any of these next five games into the final few minutes. It it, it does seem to be shaping up that way. It's I hadn't thought about it, but I think it's it's a good comparison to that final stretch last year. The one thing that that jumps out at me, guys, about this ball game, and Coach Norvell had not really addressed it appropriately. Uh, because he was complimenting his team. But there were a couple of, uh, if you were listening, a couple of comments that Mike made this week, excuse me, last week, about the need for Florida State to come out faster, to, to not wait until the middle of the second quarter to quote-unquote wake up. I think that's been a theme that the coaching staff has been barking in these guys' ears, you know, ever since they got off the plane from Clemson. For sure. And I think, frankly, I mean, I think that's something that it hasn't been true. I don't think as much of the offense, but it has felt a bit like a trend under in Adam Fuller's tenure where they haven't always been the smoothest out of the gate. Maybe they give up a, a early touchdown or get an early deficit. And it feels like the second half adjustments are are normally really good. I know. I mean, he talked this week about kind of like liking a lot of what he's seen from his defense when they're in adverse situations, when they're in an early deficit, like they were against Clemson when they're in the red zone, when the opponent's in the red zone and their kind of backs are up against the wall. And that, yeah, he wants to see that same intensity, that same execution from the start of the game. That I think, I mean, that's definitely something that has been missing. And that's something that, uh, I mean, the easiest way that any of these next five become games is if you give those teams confidence early in the game. Because obviously, they, no team's going to go in saying, we don't have a chance to win this game. That's not how football players, football coaches, anyone like that thinks. But I think they realize somewhat the talent disadvantage they're at. And that, I mean, if you give them that early confidence, that's one easy way for them to say, to say, see, we can play with these guys. They're not this invulnerable, un unbeatable machine to us. Keith, you can speak to this because there's a lot of sentiment. And Florida State fans have been this way forever. When we talk about defensive coordinators, Keith, there's only two that FSU fans will tell you they liked, and it's Mickey Andrews and Jeremy Pruitt, who was here one year. I mean, fans didn't even like Mark Stoops when that defense went from 110th to, like, fourth in four years, and now we see what he's doing at Kentucky. But the point is, fans want to say you should blitz, you should blitz, send six every play because you think about the sacks and not about the guy getting beat deep. To me, what I'm hearing from Norvell is a little bit more of, instead of us adjusting to what the offense is doing, how about we make them adjust to what we're doing, which isn't necessarily always a blitz, but sometimes it's we're going to overload this side of the line or this side of the line. We're going to give you something to think about so that your guys are on the chalkboard drawing something up instead of us being the ones on the chalkboard drawing something up. And again, that goes back to the execution and that goes back to, to, to playing at the high level from the very first snap. Um, and, and I've had people ask me, you know, why can't the coaches get the, the defense ready to do that? That's not the coach's job. That's the upperclassmen's job. So if there's any criticism of this defense, and, and I think it's a very small amount of criticism, is that uh, the, the upperclassmen on this defense 
don't have that mindset yet. And, and maybe, maybe this is the game they start acquiring it. To your point there, and I don't think of Akeem Den as being the most vocal guy, right? But if you just look at the secondary, Fentrell Cypress is new, right? I mean, Kevin Knowles is new at that position. Shaheen Brown, everybody's talked about a lot, but he's so he's not new, but he's new as a main starter. So Akeem Dent, uh, and you know, and and the one corner eight who's who's been really solid this year. But that's the point I'm making is I think we all realize now Florida State has missed Akeem maybe more than we thought they would when he first went down, and that might be why, Keith. Could be, could very well be. I think that's definitely no uh Nor Yeah, Norvell has indicated that he's uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's playing this week, but he's everybody's getting healthier, and that's a good thing. This because the defense is always, and this goes back to my comment about the defensive coordinator. I mean, people were tired of Charles Kelly and Harlan Barnett. I mean, you name the DC, Florida State fans haven't been enthralled, right? If you look at where your expectations at the start of the year relative to where the team is now, has the defense performed worse than the offense, or is the offense the one that is further away from what we expected than the defense? Kurt, that's yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm. I guess when, especially if you throw in, we we knew. I'm just making maybe I'm making the case for Fuller, right? Yeah. So we we all knew that the the position that lacked the move coming into this year was safety, and so Florida State lost a starting safety in week two in the first half, and there's been some struggles. So you so you look at that, and then you look at it and say, and I haven't compared the stats, but FSU's defense has been pretty good in the red zone. Um, at key times, they have made stops. And I guess you could argue that the offense has done what it's needed to do. Certainly, they produced a touchdown in overtime. But I think most of us felt like the offense was going to go up and down the field in these eight and ten play drives and punt maybe once a half. And so it feels like the ceiling is higher, like the offense is further away from its ceiling than the defense is. Maybe that's a more succinct way to say it. I think that is definitely true. I mean, I think they've they've missed Robert Scott a little. I think it seems, I mean, an interesting takeaway that I'm not sure I would have thought coming into the year is it feels like he might be important in the run game with how much they're pulling people with the counter stuff they do. Maybe that's something that they've, they've missed there. And I mean, we've, I think seen a, I think we saw, especially in that second half of that Clemson game, I think Jordan was real close on some throws that were just off, obviously fell in love with the deep shots a little. And I think that's something the fan base uh, didn't love, but when you have two guys like that, I mean, how Zach has kind of said this week, when you have receivers like that, and when you have a QB with a big arm, we're going to take those shots down the field. That's just kind of going to be a thing. But, yeah, no, I think, I mean, 31, 31 two weeks in a row. I'm not surprised. 31 against Clemson, I don't think is bad. 31 against Boston College, I would have I, I, it would have surprised me if you told me that before the year. I think uh, they're definitely leaving some points out there. And, uh, and I think these next few uh, games against, I mean, not to say anything about the the quality of the teams themselves, but purely, I think, less talented defenses, I think, could do wonders for the offense figuring some stuff out. Because, yeah, I think I, because I think we held the offense to a higher standard coming into the year, you can make a case in some ways it has been more disappointing than the defense. Well, and two, kind of echoing and, and going all around this topic, I'm convinced, if they, even if they won't admit it, they have protected Travis the last couple of weeks. And, and that not not putting him in positions where he could potentially re-aggravate that shoulder and that type of thing. 
and, and watching him in the two bye week practices in this one, I think, I mean, Norvell said as much Monday, he thought the bye was well timed for him, right. kind of admitting he was, I think, less planned through being less than 100%. And I mean, he he looked great today. I think he uh, even ran the ball some, which I know is going to be music to some people's ears. So I think uh, it's possible that he, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think that would explain some of what had been the problem the last like six quarters where, I mean, the offense hasn't been bad by any means, but I think it has left some chances out there on the board and maybe been lower than we expected it to be. No doubt that he's feeling healthier, but I do think that the protection of a green jersey in practice leaves you, uh, you're not reticent to step into a throw or to take off running because you know nobody's about to hit your ailing shoulder. So to me, the proof's in the pudding on game day for that. Uh, I want to continue that thought about Jordan Travis. So let's take a break and then we'll come back with more with Kurt Weiler from the Osceola right after this on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. This is going Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones, Kurt Weiler. And uh, Keith, maybe you, you can jump in first on this one. Uh, this is an oversimplification because I'm not the, the expert X's and O's guy. But I know against LSU, LSU kept its two safeties back. And so what you saw is Florida State ran the football, but they didn't take as many deep shots, particularly second half. Against Clemson, they brought one of the safeties down. And so they had better numbers in the box. And it meant that you could go right side or left side, and you were going to have one of your top receivers singled up, i.e. the safety wasn't going to be able to, to get over there in time. My question, though, is, Where's the part of the playbook that's not just on the sideline, i.e. a fade or a back shoulder throw or a nine route outside the hashes? Where are the posts or the digs or the intermediate routes, even if you're throwing to the same receivers? How do they get that going or why haven't they? Well, you have to run those in combos. You can't run single. So if you've got your two wide receivers on either side, you can't run something over the middle because you run into that safety that still remains. So you've got to run combo routes, which means you've got to get your, your, your slot receivers involved. And those have been the routes that Florida State's defense has struggled against. Clemson did a good job with the combo routes. Uh, that's when you see someone running a little more wide open than you would like. The thing is, the quarterback's got to be willing to check down to those when he needs to. And, and again, no consternation, no, no bad uh, karma to, 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 to Jordan. But it's a whole lot easier to throw the six four and six seven guys as opposed to checking down to those combo routes. So mixing that in might be a recipe for Florida State to look a whole lot better on offense early against Virginia Tech. Because Tech's going to crowd the box. They're going to be just like Clemson, trust me. Thoughts on that, Kurt? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, some music to KJ's ears, I know, is that uh, Ja'Kai Douglas was was practicing today and looked good. pretty good doing it, made good. a few plays. He uh, he looked like his – he was a non-contact jersey. I think he's – it seems he's not 100% for Saturday. Like, he's not definitely returning. And Mike seemed a little like, we'll see what his workload can be right off the bat. But I think you, it's possible. He'll be back, it seems like, at some point during this homestand, if not this week. And I think, I mean, I think he is probably – their their most established all around slot guy. I think. I mean, I had high expectations for Destin. I think uh, reality of I mean a freshman taking on that big a role has been maybe uh, uh, not quite what I expected. But uh, I think he with Jukai. We I mean 
Alex Atkins talked about it on Monday. When he's out there, he is just he's been a pretty consistent playmaker at a high level. So I, I think that that can help. I mean, even maybe Kentron Fortier, who I know is getting closer to return too, would would help. I mean, he was one of the maybe, I mean, the most impressive right there with Johnny for the most impressive wide receiver back in the spring. Let me drill a little deeper on this because the narrative has become that Jordan is not as accurate as he was last year. There's some truth to that. But going back to the, the question about the routes, Keith, why are Johnny and Keon not able to get separation? And I understand Clemson has good corners. I'm sure they're NFL corners, right? But Southern misses corners. They had six plays where they raked the ball out of their hands and Keon couldn't get free for a catch against BC. So, so is Jordan less accurate? Or is the receiver's not really that open, and he he's throwing. We're calling it a 50-50 ball, but maybe that's not even right, given that they're covered. Well, you're normally not going to have a wide open receiver on a nine route. I mean, the the DBs can run with them, so you've got to run the hitch and goes. You've got to run the crossing and up, the the traditional out and up. And those types of things. Well, Florida State hasn't run those routes. You see wide receivers. When you watch the highlights around the country, you got wide receivers running post. They're not wide open on the sideline. They're wide open in the middle of the field. And so you have to make an intentional effort to do that. That, that I guess, is my question. It goes back to the previous question. Why haven't we seen some of that? Because, and, and maybe they've sat on it. Maybe there's – it just feels like, we're going to get to chapters four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve of this playbook pretty soon, and that offense is going to get humming again. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but it feels like if we turn the page, there's a few more things there. I, I, you know, again, how much are they holding back? How much were they hiding? How much is it a result of trying to protect Travis? You know, other receivers. We know Jakai's been hurt, but you talk about the other receivers that maybe haven't done as well. Are they nicked up and banged up, and we just don't know? So they have to rely on Johnny and, and Keon, who will know until the season's over and they're willing to talk about it. Alex Atkins this week, let's move to the running game. I thought he was really in this whole team, and it's the way Norvell leads. The coaches take accountability. They don't point the finger elsewhere. They point it back at themselves. And so on the one hand, Alex may have been defending some of his linemen a little bit. But but he repeated it a couple times that it's a it's on him to figure out what his linemen do best, what they can block best, which position fits them best. Do you get the sense that he really did spend the last week, he and Norvell and the offensive staff saying, you know what, maybe this year's collection is maybe counter is not what we do best. Maybe we need to be more zone or, or maybe it's outside zone, not inside zone. I don't know, but I, I, I get the sense that that's how they spent the last week and a half. I think I think you're 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 right. I mean, I think the thing is we we talked about coming into the year about you know they bring back everybody but Dylan Gibbons getting back to Mitchell Manuel's huge. You think it's going to mostly be the same, but I mean Darius Washington has played. He stepped in at center when Maurice went down. I think he stepped in to right tackle actually at the end of that that Clemson game. But he's not a starter in this current group. It's kind of they brought somebody in over him, and, and the same goes for I mean at at. At the guard spot is obviously they've replaced Dylan. It's it's not as it's not there's not as much continuity of the guys they're trotting out there as maybe you thought there'd be. And with that comes, I mean, yeah, there are there are different strengths. And I mean, I think frankly, I think they've done better at pass blocking. This group is a better pass blocking offensive line than last year's was. I think last year's Jordan bailed that line out and maybe made them look a little better in terms of the sack numbers than they than they really were. And I think this this 
this group does much better at that. But there are some stuff, and I think the bye week was valuable for figuring out some of the, the run blocking stuff because that has been an inverse so far this season from what we saw from last year. Well, I didn't hear Coach Actons talk about it, but I did hear uh, on the defensive side Adam talking about they spent an entire day as a coaching staff saying, where do we need to change people? And if they're doing that on the defensive side, they're doing that on the offensive side. Yeah, a good a good self scout for sure, right? To, to look at what you got and what's what's working and what's not. Kurt, anything else related to this game? And then we'll go to a potpourri of FSU athletics here. Um, no, I'm excited. I mean, I think a fast start would would do wonders for everybody. I think. I mean, there there are some nerves from a couple close calls. I think could be alleviated if Florida State comes out and does what they're supposed to do. I think. Uh, I don't want to say panic, but there's definitely some like with some stuff I want to see. And I think uh, we'll, we'll see what happens Saturday. So we're in that point of the season where, uh, or the sports calendar where everything's going on. Basketball's underway. Have you been out to basketball yet? Men's or women's? Uh, no, I, Bob was out there. I think Bob uh, caught up with, with him and, and a few other media members uh, last week during the bye week it was a well-timed check-in there. Did you have a good relationship with Devin Vassell when he was here since he just signed a $146 million contract over five years, I, Kurt? I did not, unfortunately. I mean, not that not that level of. I mean, that's a credit to uh, – that's a CY special right there. I remember I wrote a story back when I was at the Democrat about, I mean, CY – I think when CY found him, his only offer was preparatory college, and I think he kind of compared Devin Vassell to a, a baby deer where, like, he, he was still learning how to play, but he saw the growth spurt that was coming and obviously – the three and D, I mean, elite level NBA player he's become. Let me tell you guys, yeah, he he was not very good when he got to Florida State. He had a huge heart. You saw yep. a great upside, but you would not have been impressed with him as a freshman. So his growth, in fact, how about we make this? His growth from his freshman year at Florida State to where he's at in the NBA is just as uh, remarkable as Jordan Travis growth from his freshman year at Florida State to his senior year at Florida State on the football field. It's it's a good comp. They're probably comparable like prospects to go from where they were to where they're they are or are gonna be. Yep. Now when Jordan cashes a hundred and forty six million dollar contract uh is his second contract as an NFL quarterback, then you'll be a hundred percent literally on the money, KJ. Well there you go. I'll I'll wait with bated breath. Uh, fall ball is going on for baseball as well. I know uh, Link met the media, I guess, on Tuesday, and uh, and Cam Smith. Did, were you out at that? And I'm like, sorry, I'm putting on you, putting you on the spot. Yes, I know you got a team I, at the NCO. I was, I was there. That's that was what I what I have picked up. Yes, I was out there today as we as we talked. General sentiment from uh, what's going on there. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty funny. I mean, he kind of talked candidly about you know, yes, it's year two for him. But I mean, it, 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 there's not the continuity you might expect from a year two. I think he said 26 new players, obviously two new assistant coaches with both his assistants last year, uh, moving on to take head coaching jobs elsewhere. But I think he uh, likes a lot of, of what he has. I think he's liked what he's seen from the transfers. I think, I mean, he talked so much about being, I mean, Cam Smith, I talked about him. I mean, the summer he went up and had in the, the Cape Cod league, I think has, is really showing. I mean, he's, he's a much different player now than he was at this time last year but overall i think the pitching depth's in a much better spot he talked about kind of we have guys who who have different arrays of pitches who have different release points who who have different 
all of those sorts of things. It's going to be a much deeper and I think more versatile pitching staff this year, which I think is uh, definitely something that especially once they lost Wyatt Corwell last year was a, was a major problem. And he kind of admitted as much today. And so I think there's a, there's some reason for optimism. He also talked about, I I, I hadn't, uh, we got to see yeah, maybe Stu, they, they took away one half of one of the batting cage lanes. They have a pitching lab out there now with the track man and the Ergontronics where there are uh, some really in-depth, cool stuff they can do with a uh, new pitching coach, Michael Posey. I, I'm excited to see what Posey brings. I mean, anytime you yep. can bring in a, a native, you know, somebody that grew up here and, and as a child and a kid was watching Florida state athletics and then gets the opportunity to, to be on that big stage. I always get excited for those guys. And he's got a pretty good track record at DBU and a few other places. Right. And yeah, I see, yeah, I mean, he's, in he's got a pretty good track record. Yeah, exactly. North Florida Christian. The, uh, the last thing, and this came to a surprise uh, to us all, but Florida state announced on uh, Tuesday that they're adding another uh, varsity sport. Women's lacrosse is coming. And uh, I have no doubts that, uh, and I can't claim to, to say that I followed the club team at Florida state. But it doesn't surprise me to hear that they're pretty doggone good. And I have no doubt that Florida State, uh, as lacrosse has become more popular in the southeast instead of just the northeast, I have no doubts that Florida State will become really good in this sport, too. What do you think? No, I think it's it's for sure. It makes a lot of sense. I remember I wrote a story years ago about it, that why that made the most sense as if they were going to add another sport, uh, why, why that would be the one to add. And, I mean, obviously – We'll see if Florida State's still in the ACC when that starts in 2025-26. It's a very AC. I think they're the, the 10th ACC team to have it. So, yeah, it has really blown up in the South and isn't just a Virginia and Connecticut and Massachusetts type sport anymore. And so it'll be interesting uh, where where Florida State is at as a university when that, that kicks in here in the next few years. And, guys, we'd be remiss. I tried to jump in a little while ago, but we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, send our congrats to the soccer team. Uh, Florida State's volleyball, the ladies have really come on strong here of late. I mean, we talk about the the, the Director's Cup and we talk about a well-rounded and complete program. Um, we're, we're seeing some of that continue on uh, with everything going on in the 23-24 academic year. Keith, did you see it's a week old now, but did you see the end of the North Carolina FSU women's soccer game? <laughs> I didn't see the end of it. I just read about it. So, uh, you know, they scored with, what, seven seconds left to tie it or something like that? Well, it, it was crazy because in international soccer, I mean, when we watch soccer, you get to this point where you don't know how much extra time there is. And then the TV bug, all of a sudden they throw up plus seven. But you never really know when it's going to hit zero, right? It's up to the, the ref. But in college soccer, they keep a running clock. So it was in 10 seconds and FSU's running to set up for a corner kick. And they probably play the corner kick game with like eight seconds. And the goalie makes a save and they get the rebound. I mean, probably three seconds on the clock, maybe when she hit the re I mean, I've never seen a soccer match end like that. So, uh, and unfortunately I haven't been out there to see them in person this year, but it appears that they're as good as they always are. So congratulations to them thus far. Kurt, we'll let you get going on that, but uh, we will see you Saturday home for three weekends in a row. That's not a bad thing. I know you're not going to complain about that. Four with the bye week. It's pretty nice. It's a weird schedule. Yeah, it is, but we'll take it, and uh, and I'll take the three games in October. It'll be a little more comfortable than when we played three home games in September. Kurt Weiler from the Osceola, thank you, sir. Thanks, And sir. if you don't subscribe to the Osceola, go to theosceola.com and do so before we come back to finish up Front Row Knowles. Stay with us.
Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. Thanks to Kurt Weiler for joining us as uh, we finish up. And uh, we, we'll bounce back to football. Although I'm excited that Florida State added uh, lacrosse. Uh, I'm not being facetious, I think Florida State, just like they are in about every sport they compete in, will end up being very good in women's lacrosse. And that starts, uh, I think, two years from now. Uh, to Kurt's point, we don't know what conference Florida State will be in at that point. But we're going to start playing lacrosse. <laughs> I still, uh, in my, in, in, uh, and our listeners can just make fun of me, but I still struggle when you, when they show the highlights, you know, on, 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 on some of the replays. Um, I still get confused between lacrosse and field hockey. So I have to plead ignorance, and I'm looking forward to learning, learning about the sport. Well, see, if your kids were coming up now, you'd know the difference, KJ, because it's getting more popular. I'm surprised Probably my so. son hasn't hasn't started playing it yet because it's a combination of every other, you know, the big four team sports that you grew up playing or the big three. It's got a little bit of all of them. Well, let me just but, tell uh, you, anyway. in Wildwood, in Wildwood, when I was growing up, we didn't give any of us sticks because we would use them to beat each other. So – None of those hockey, of course, we didn't have an ice rink, but hockey, uh, lacrosse, field hockey, none of that stuff was going to work where I grew up because it, it would immediately um, work its way into a brawl. So there's not just an Ellen Wildwood, uh, or the Ellen Wildwood is not for lacrosse, is what you're saying. That's that not the lacrosse correct. capital of the world. Gotcha. That is correct. So let's go back to, to football, Keith. Uh, and I want to go back to the secondary. I, I don't know how much Akeem will play this week or not, but what's been pretty clear the last couple of weeks is that Florida State, as we knew months ago, doesn't have the depth at the position that, that you desire. And so you've got Kevin Knowles, who's moved over and is trying and is learning. If you've got some young guys, they're going to be really good. If Akeem's not out there, or, or, or even if he is, how would you work the young guys in there? Because they appear to have higher ceilings than some of the other parts, but with that comes – the potential to get burned or give up some cheap ones, breakdowns, and that sort of thing. You put them in a position to get beat. In other words, you're in your fifth game of the year, okay? So they've had reps. If you, as the coordinator and the play caller on the defensive side, if, if you were doing anything to protect them, now's the time to take the gloves off. And, yeah, they may get beat a time or two over this three-game homestand. But my opinion, that's the next level. You're now going to make them and put them in positions where they have to perform, both mentally and physically. And the only way you can get reps that feel the same, you have to get at bats, and you got to get exactly. them. You can get all the practice reps in the world. You got to get at bats in a game. I mean, practice you know, is very important, but but practice is practice. Just asked, uh, was it Allen Iverson? Practice is practice. There is nothing. About practice. Yeah, there's nothing to substitute for games. Well, this is a, a good stretch for Florida State. So you got Virginia Tech at 3.30 this week. Syracuse comes in next week. That game will either be a noon game or a night game, and we won't know until Sunday. Technically, technically Sunday, but really they announce it after the last ACC game on Saturday. So that word may leak out around midnight, give or take, this week. And then you got Duke coming in after that. So there's there's the – season as somebody who is fortunate enough to travel with the team 
It's weird. There's been one home game, but I don't even remember it. It was against Southern Miss. It feels like we've been on the road the whole time. It feels disjointed. You had a Orlando was sort of like a bowl game, even though it wasn't. Then you came home on a short week and played Southern Miss, and then you had two road games in a row. And, you know, it's not like the travel is hard. The team's flying charters. They're not out there pedaling bicycles to get to Clemson, right? But it's wear on you when you get back, and it, it just shortens up your week. So I, I think this is a really good month ahead for Florida State. Our listeners would appreciate the factual nature of the statement I'm going to make. Sleeping in your own bed, there's just nothing like it. And and travel is great, and you see new things and exciting places and new stadiums, particularly for the young kids. But there is a lot to be said for being at home. Well, Florida State's going to be there three weeks in a row, and uh, the crowd is going to be there as well because FSU is selling some tickets this year. So yep. uh, that part is good. Uh, the offense, even though I, I don't know that the offense has really fully cooked the popcorn yet, though, but they're still selling tickets. So are we going to see some fully cooked popcorn now with this offense uh, ready to sell it, Keith? I'll uh, I'll put a call in to Orville Redenbacher and I'll get back to you uh, when he calls me back. How about that? Do you think it sounds good? Seriously, though, and we've only got a minute or so. Is this going to be a Florida State team that has rediscovered how to run the football this week, or is it going to be a team that deviates from what we've seen under Norvell, and all of a sudden we're going to throw the ball more? No, I think this is a, a team that goes back to running the football because the the DNA of the Norvell offense, uh, again, an offense that led the country close to the top of the country last year in explosive plays, is built upon run first, pass second. And, and that's his DNA. It's been everywhere he's been as a coordinator as well as a head coach. And that's what we've got to get back to. If you want this Norvell offense, this Atkins offense, to do what you think it can do. I 100% agree that that's where it's going to go. It feels like like Trey Benson is due for a buck 70 and three touchdowns or something like that. Don't be Break surprised. If, don't be surprised at the end of the year you find out that Benson played the first four games with a bad ankle or something. I'm not saying he does have one, but I'm just saying he, he's ready for a breakout game, and it may be uh, it may be Virginia Tech when it happens. I hope so. All right, we're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.